Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, episode 341. Oscar Lopez in the house going solo today. Uh, there will be no Mackenzie Brooks. Uh, Luis Bean's not going to be here. Holly Custis for Nate Ward. They should return in another podcast. But today we are going to have an exciting show. Uh, we have our guest, which is the Ohio Northern uh, University historian and women's football fanatic, uh, Russ Crawford, will be here in the No Joke Football Huddle in about 15 minutes. We're going to be talking everything women's football, including history and all that. And then we're going to dive into uh, the NFL week four and kind of look into week five. We'll uh, dive into college football week five and the women's news and notes as well as we get ready uh, internationally as well in Gridiron Queensland launched this week as we have the first 11th historic um, moment for them. First 11th season for Gridiron Queensland, the first in Australia. So uh, shout out to Amanda Ewers out there, Cassie Cubis, Christy Moran out there uh, of Queensland, and uh, also our No Joke Football athletes for a historic moment over in Queensland. And then we're going to dive into the Czech Republic, Germany, and then we'll uh, finish up in Sweden and in Amsterdam as well as Austria. So all things happening in Europe besides Australia, women's tackle football alive and well internationally. And as, when we first came on uh, this, this, this afternoon, um, there was some good news. SI Sports Illustrated uh, featured three of the game changers in our sport and on top of everybody else in women's sports. Um, so it was a big feature. And that would be Sam Rappaport of the NFL, who started the World Games and obviously helped out a lot of players like Callie Branson, um, and others to get into the NFL realms. And so uh, she's featured in the SI um, feature, uh, the unrelentless, unrelenting, uh, unrelenting, I'm sorry, SI cover. And then we also have Sam Gordon featured in there, obviously historic for Utah Girls Football League and going through the uh, legal matters that we're going through right now to get a girls tackle football legalized at the high school level. And we'll finish up with WNFC um, CEO Odessa Jenkins featured as well. And on top of that, Odessa also featured this week on uh, Steve Smith Jr.'s Cut It Out podcast on iHeartRadio. So if you missed it, it's right there at the Hub uh, interview with Odessa Jenkins talking everything going on from Journey, from her own personal experience in the game, to the vision and the growth expectation for the WNFC and where we want to be with women's tackle football uh, in terms of getting paid, just like NFL players and a future here. So hooking up with Riddell and Adidas, obviously a big factor, and now maybe opening eyes with a couple of NFL alumni, including the NFL superstars uh, previously. So we'll see if that happens. But check it out. Awesome interview. Um, it's over about an hour or so, 45 minutes. And she did a great job. Steve Smith challenging her on a lot of things, and it was a really great interview. So check it out. If you go to the Twitter at Gridiron Beauty, if you go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty, you can check it out there. Odessa Jenkins on Steve Smith Jr.'s 
Cut It Out on iHeart. So check it out there. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast also on iHeart, on Spotify, on Apple. Over 300 episodes. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Nicole Rodriguez coming in last week on uh, 340. Uh, a huge bump for us in terms of reach on Spotify, also on Apple. So shout-out to NRPR Group CEO uh, Nicole Rodriguez for coming in here giving insights on the Raiders and, t- and including PR insights and tips. And so check it out there. And if you haven't checked, the, checked out our podcast uh, over the last uh, 60 days, uh, you're missing out on a lot. So if you go back to 324 and 325, one of the, probably the two best podcasts we've had in our 10-year tenure. And I want to give a shout-out to Adrian Smith out there uh, also who helped us out with that. And then um, you had Danielle Harvey and Cherry Awaga as well. And then we had 328. If you go back revisit, Very Lieberman and Angelica Grayson talking about Born to Play plus the NAIF, uh, NAIA uh, flag football season that's going to come up an expansion. And then we talked to 330 of the State of the Game and the WFA for 2021 with Wynn Dominey. And if you go into 331, uh, we talked to Michelle Marshall on the IWFA and her success there, plus the expansion of the uh, I-8 in 2021. Go back to 332, we're talking Utah girls football season, including all the, uh, the legal stuff that's coming up with Chris Sacco. And then we dived into uh, – of course, 335 with Coach Anthony Stone, and you can check out his stuff as well on Coach Anthony Stone at uh, CoachAnthonyStone.com. And then uh, we dived into to Shea Winfrey, 337. So a lot of the good content, go back uh, roughly about 60 days, and you'll learn a lot. We cover it all. The best network on the planet right here. You're listening to it. Uh, at, and it, that's at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash GridironBeauties. All right. We're going to dive into a couple, a couple, t- a couple things that happened, obviously in the women's game first because it's really important that we start there this week. Uh, for the most part, a lot of things uh, have been happening in the NFL realms and everything else, but in college football as well coming up. But we got a lot of things going on in the women's game. So uh, besides what I just mentioned, um, on a somber uh, note, unfortunately this past uh, the 28th, uh, the Pittsburgh Passion of the WFA announced that uh, defensive end. Uh, Randy Murray passed away. So we want to give our condolences to the Pittsburgh Passion family, the Murray family, and the WFA family in general uh, on the passing of Randy Murray of the Pittsburgh Passion. So if you uh, did not know about it, uh, you can go to the Pittsburgh Passion uh, page on Facebook. You can go on uh, Instagram as well. Uh, You can go on Twitter as well. Or you can just key in Pittsburgh Passion, uh, Google it. So, um, you know, we are, our condolences and prayers are with the Murray family and obviously the loss of Randy Murray to the Pittsburgh Passion family. So um, hopefully everybody's in good state. Uh, we, we have good prayers for uh, the family there, including the football community. So we want to go, um, you know, and recognize that. So that was sent out to me this past week. I know it was the 28th, uh, and so this is the most recent thing we can notice at this point. So you can go to our pages and you would have known about it already about a week ago. All right. So um, the other news that we have is um, WFLA partners with Cassandra Cooper uh, of OVA TV group. And the OVA TV group is going to broadcast on digital platforms, uh, the anticipation of the 2021 inaugural WFLA season. As it stands right now, they would be on various platforms like Roku, uh, Apple, uh, Google Cast, et cetera, 
So uh, Cassandra Cooper, uh, you get the Forbes article there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Cordero Beauties. You guys can uh, read it up there as well. Pretty prominent player in the media and broadcast uh, area. So uh, Loopy Rose um, hooks up with uh, Cassandra Cooper here to try to expand the WFLA branding in 2021 to OVA TV as well. And that's going to be pretty awesome considering uh, digital platform is going to be the biggest thing. We talked to Commissioner Brandon Shelby uh, a while back when he was here on the podcast, and he mentioned that th- that was something that they were working on in the works. Uh, now it is official. OVA TV partners with the WFLA for a 2021 inaugural season for visibility and branding. So shout out to them. On top of that, the WNFC also announced this, uh, Monica D. Livingston, will be the chief revenue officer for the 2021 season. And she will be the first, the, the focal point basically to make sure that the WNFC is a viable business in terms of revenue stream and advertising and sponsors and going forward. So there you, you have a key component. Um, and so the WNFC has been adjusting and plugging in certain individuals to obviously get the business model in place uh, and get it to a point where their big name sponsors are going to take them serious. And we're, and we're talking about Adidas, Riddell, but you know, at this point, that's just two sponsors. If you get your ducks in line, as you would say, obviously you got opportunity for other sponsors to join you into the journey. That would be uh, to get the WNFC to be the first professional football league as the WFLA has claimed it will be. We don't know that yet at this point until May of 2021. So everything's still up in the air. Who will be the first? Um, I'm, I'm assuming the first, the players we talked about uh, back a couple podcasts ago, and that was with, uh, I think, podcast 338. That was Rod Green of the WF, uh, IWFA in Texas, and his uh, intense eight league would be the first to pay players if, if, if the WNFC or the w, uh, WFLA do not. So we will see which league in 2021 will officially contract players and pay players on a salary basis. So we will uh, we'll find out basically in 2021 as to who will be the first, first to do it. And so those are exciting things that are happening in the sport. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good things happen in the sport. Um, we keep an eye on everything that's happening uh, with the WFA, WNFC, IWFA, plus Canada, international, everything else uh, with our network. And like I said before, the best network on the planet is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauty. So don't miss it out there. Um, you can also tune into our podcast on TuneIn, Player FM, Google Cast, iHeart, Spotify, of course on Global Women's Sports Radio, and right here at the flagship on Block Talk Radio. All right. So things Things are happening a little quick in terms of the NFL, mostly because of preseason. It's just a matter of preseason, I think, for the most part. Um, Because we didn't have preseason, it becomes a situation where maybe this week, this coming up week, is going to be the week of, you know, actual football. Obviously, you don't want to tell a couple teams that are already in the hole, especially Atlanta in general. Um, So you want to just kind of like, Oops, see what happens there. Um, but we did have some football on Thursday night. Denver, New York Jets, what a disaster of a, of a showing. But 
we did get a high-scoring affair going, 37-28. Um, you had basically uh, Darnold down for a little bit, and then he came back. Um, so 37-28, Denver with Melvin Gordon takes care of business on Thursday night. And then we had uh, the uh, Sunday, uh, Monday night games. I mean, Sunday night game was Philadelphia 25-20 to 20 edging the San Francisco 49ers, which is that, that had to hurt. Um, because of the fact that the NFC West is a really tight division right now. And so we're going to anticipate, hopefully, the anticipation is that um, they'll rebound, but they got injuries. they got a lot of injuries going on right now in San Francisco, and hopefully uh, they're going to be able to rebound. Philadelphia, a must-win for them. Dallas losing. Uh, Washington, I believe, lost as well. So that puts them up in the top of the, uh, the NFC East, which is kind of funny in a way. And then uh, on Monday night, we had the Patriots taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City completely uh, takes care of business, Mahomes and company. Uh, You know, the Patriots had no prayer at this point, no Cam Newton because of COVID. Um, So it worked out in their favor this week. And so they they took care of business. And then the other Monday night game was obviously uh, obviously, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan. And uh, where was Calvin Ridley? (laughs) Where was Gage? And where the hell do you think you're going to put uh, Julio Jones as your focal point coming back from a hamstring injury? I was so livid and pissed off. My fantasy slate was so off-kiltered. I had Calvin and Gage as two of my receivers, and they did nothing for me. And I was just like, oh, my God. Me and probably 100,000 fans on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel were really (laughs) not happy campers. It was the difference between $57 and winning big money. Just not happy. So uh, that's my take, unfortunately, on a personal note. But uh, Monday night, it was uh, 30 to 16. The Packers seem to be a team that's kind of rising at this point. Um, We'll see how that turns out. Uh, Nobody's talking about the Bills. Uh, The Browns up and coming. So we'll we'll dive into that a little bit after we go into uh, Russ Crawford here. But Week five here is going to be interesting in terms of what's going to happen on Thursday night, Tampa Bay against Chicago. Sunday night, Minnesota, Seattle, kind of a, a must win for Minnesota. Chicago kind of with Nick Foles, change, the change out with Nick Foles and Tom Brady in that sense. And then Monday night, you got the Chargers taking on Drew Brees. Should be a good three-game slate for this week. So kind of looking forward to it and see how – that's going to change the dynamics, especially for Tampa Bay and New Orleans in the uh, NFC South. So uh, let's see uh, if we can go into the No Joke Football Huddle. So this, uh, this today, last day, 25% off on T-shirts, leggings, capris, hoodies, whatever you want at the No Joke Football Shop. You go there now, 25% off. Seasonal save is your code. Check it out right now. Go to at No Joke Football on Facebook. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Select what you want. Free shipping if you get Zazzle Black for the rest of the year. Help support us. That's what keeps us on the air. Zazzle's been our supporter and sponsor for almost 10 years now. So if you believe in women's football, bring an awareness to women's football, then you go buy something from the shop so we can stay afloat and bring you content that covers women's American football weekly. Tuesday nights, it is our night. And the Blitz is where you come for that information if you don't go to the hubly basis. So check it out, Zazzle.com 
forward slash um, Gridiron Beauties at the No Joke Football Shop. So let's go into the huddle right now. We're going to bring in uh, our guest. The worst. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. From our preparation to the way we form, to the way we sign, expect greatness. Expect it from yourself. Expect it from your teammates. Expect it from this team. We fall. We kill. We eat. Yes, sir. Hey, energy, emotion, play fast. Russ, expect greatness. How you doing, Russ Crawford? Good. How are you, Oscar? Doing great, sir. Thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. No worries. So, Russ, what have you been up to with this COVID state of mind? <laughs> well, still teaching. We we went online. I uh, continued teaching there, and we're back uh, face-to-face. We started early. We're finishing early, and so far, so good. Uh, any transition change for you? More coffee at home, or was there anything, uh, Zoom errors and your camera off? Any funny stuff? No, um, I kept going into my office because my technology isn't all that great at home. So, actually, it was sort of a golden age. I always got a parking place outside my building, and there were no meetings to interrupt me. And (laughs) I just got to talk about history. Well, that's good to hear. I hope you're uh, COVID-free, unlike our our president, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, so far, so good. That's good. Good to hear. Uh, same here. So everything's good. So good. isolation is good for me, too. <laughs> yeah, well, for academics, isolation is, is not a hardship, generally speaking. No, it's not. Um, so, uh, Russ, I, you got wor- you're working on a project that somebody told me you're working on. Is that still in the works at this point, or is it going to be coming out at this point? Well, I've I've pretty much got the book on the history of women's football, more or less from uh, the 1970s. Uh, Katie Taylor is is doing her dissertation on the early history of women playing football, but I've started in the 70s and up through the professional leagues and and the, um, the Utah Girls Tackle Football League and leagues like that. So I've pretty much got it written. Um, now I just have to find a publisher. So you're in the uh, in the midst of finalizing the whole the whole deal at this point, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's it, there's always until it's actually in print. There's always one more thing you could add or change or sure. or take out. So uh, Russ, what gets you started with this? I know we've had encyclopedias before. We had uh, Neil Rosenthal did an encyclopedia for. For that purpose, is this different than encyclopedia? Is it more uh, kind of a storytelling mentality? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, not so much stats and you know like Neil Rosendahl's um, women's football encyclopedia, although that was a, an excellent source. It's more of a a narrative history. So you started in the '70s, so we're talking about the pro leagues 
that collapsed and didn't really mature. And then you go into what the uh, yeah. the IW, IWFL because they're the ones that mm-hmm. came along prior to the WFA, then the WFA, and then eventually the collapse of the IWFL, which gave the birth to the WNFC, which we're at currently at this right. date in North America. And through all of the the many many other leagues that came and went, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's basically where I start. I start with uh, girls playing football. You know the you you know see let me get the right uh, initials UGTFL the mm-hmm. Indiana Girls Football League uh, Manitoba Girls Football mm-hmm. League and um, um, uh, the eastern part of Canada the <laughs> uh, New Brunswick uh, Junior Girls Football League. Canada has been very at the forefront of everything, um, at beginnings, in other words. Manitoba, historic for starting that type of program. Now you go into uh, New Brunswick, and then at the same time, Edmonton now, sort of building that, that situation. Uh, and so it's it's been a focal point, uh, more so up north than it was in the States, which is ironic, but at the same time, mm-hmm. um, it was it has been around, in other words, as a feeder system mentality from the youth level flag to the tackle side. Uh, I think the WWCFL has done a tremendous job in branching out uh, as well as the maritime on the other side, which is on the New Brunswick side, plus over here in the middle of Canada, which is the the Western, but they've done a good job Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, bringing up that, that part of it that we're missing probably in the States. Um, You know, we're in the States. I think everybody's working on getting the flag, uh, element to be accepted in the high schools nationwide, which would be a right. complete game changer for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had the the one bit of international competition between the Manitoba Girls Football Association and the Indiana Girls Tackle Football mm-hmm. League, uh, the Battle of the Borders. That was pretty cool. Uh, literally, it was it turned cold during the game. So that was interesting to see, and I don't know if the Indiana girls are still playing. Uh, I haven't seen anything from them in quite some time. Uh, Russ, does it does it shock you that we got uh, all this stuff going on? I mean, a lot of people that I talk to uh, when we post on our page right now, we're like literally in Europe. We are now we are literally in Europe. Mm-hmm. This fall, this fall is Europe. We're in Austria. We're in Amsterdam. Uh, we're in Czech Republic right now in season. Uh, we're mm-hmm. in Germany. We're in Sweden, finishing up the season there in Sweden, the three divisions there. Um, so a lot of people that come to our page, um, you know, because obviously we're at, at that bigger reach of almost 25K, but they come to the page mm-hmm. and, you know, they get they get an element of NFL or they get an, an element of college football, you know, some sort of – and then they kind of dive into our page and then they kind of realize um, that this exists beyond the North American swing. Yeah, yeah. I I was listening to your you're talking about the um the Finnish league and I I see Leah Kazus is playing over there again. Mhm. She's been there for a while now, a couple yeah. Of years. Yeah. Uh she was like the second woman I interviewed in this project and she was just talking about going to Finland. I maybe she had been there. 
Uh, that's interesting. Listening to your your podcast, I I heard some a lot of familiar names. So that's always interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an opportunity for a lot of. I, I think Finland is really the prime outside of the North American swing. Finland and Sweden are the two prime, um, you know, women's football hotbeds in terms of Europe, structure-wise, in terms of a real structure. Mm-hmm. Because they have, you know, a Super League, which oh, is, yeah. you know, the Division One, and then you got Division Two and Three in some aspects. So there's yeah. a lot of, uh, of players that go to Finland or they go to Sweden. Uh, an example would be Sydney Green and uh, Gabby Nobbs from uh, the U.K., who obviously went over there to be uh-huh. competitive, play competitive ball. So there's opportunity where Finland and Sweden are, is the place to go if you move on besides the North American swing. Yeah. I was going to quibble a little bit. The, the British were two plays away from winning the IFAF uh, Euro Championship. They had a fumble and an, inter- no, let's see, a, an interception and a really bad snap. Otherwise, they probably would have won the championship. But – they finished third behind Finland and Sweden, so that's the way the ball bounces. Yeah, I mean, the, the World Championships, uh, and I was just going to get to the notes when we get to it, but unfortunately IFAB has decided that they will not have the 2021 Women's yeah. World Championships. Uh, they're moving them to 2022 because of, you know, because of logistics and the unknown things of what's happening now. So they're going give, to yeah. give themselves a 12-month gap to figure everything out and and who knows by this by next you know in 12 months who knows if the uh, you know the COVID-19 is more of a flu mentality and it's something manageable and something we can work with with the with the flu uh, with the vaccine of some sort so it kind of alleviates a lot of the things that we're going to now in terms of restrictions and guidelines and things like that so uh, I think it was a good idea for them it, it is a situation where that part of IFAB um, you know, they've always elevated it at this point. We talked to uh, Richard McLean, and he really wants to get that branch to be front and center on terms of a world stage, which I applaud him for that. Well, I hope I hope they continue holding that. I mean, it's sort of like the Women's World Games. Uh, that seems to be pretty much gone now, although a number of of national organizations seem to have picked up the ball on holding uh, skill camps, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. AFE is really good at doing that. You got WFA also uh, with globe global. So there's a lot of, you know, intangibles there. Um, and it, it, it's actually nice because it kind of connects um, the Central America swing, uh, including the North American swing mm-hmm. on this side of the, uh, of the, you know, um, con- continent, it really puts you know that perspective of that women's tackle football does exist, and it just doesn't just doesn't exist in North America, but it's in Mexico and 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 Central America as well, which is kind of branching out, and also South America. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be expanding through Central America right now, pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a, and it's a it's a really nice feeling for a lot of players because it's kind of an outlet that they, they they've always played um, you know flag football or they played tocho as they call it out in Mexico they've always played flag football but they've mm-hmm. never got an opportunity to play tackle so a lot of them are really excited to compete especially with uh, American football events when they go down to like Central America to compete it's really nice for them to kind of match up against an international squad where you don't get that luxury 
uh, you know, with, with the IFAB type of flair. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if the Mexican team gets too much more experience, they're going to be fairly formidable. They were the, the surprise of the 2017 Women's World Championship. They were, they were fun to watch. Yeah, and you know what? They are working on that. Uh, I I talked to Coach Lario, and um, that's their focus. Mm-hmm. You know, their focus is uh, silver. That's what he said. We got bronze. We we now must shoot for silver or gold. So they, you know, that they're, yeah. you know, as soon as this COVID's over, they're gonna be their mindset's gonna be ready for 2022. Now, before all this went south. Um... God, and uh, it's terrible to be a historian with bad memory, but the running back from the Me- Mexican national team was going to play for the WNFC, I believe. Yeah, uh, Andy it? Romero. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Romero. Well, she was mm-hmm. she was impressive to watch. She was like, um, oh, who was the guy? Beast Mode. Um, what was his name? <laughs> See, historian, bad memory. It's, it's you mean uh, Lynch, right? Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. She was one heck of a runner. Yeah, no, Romero's got uh, agility and speed. Uh, she's got really good mobility. Um, you know, she uh, between the A-gaps, she's really good at um, outside corners in terms of, you know, throw the ball uh, out in the slant. Um, she does come from a very, very impressive um, camp with uh, Coach Larios. Larios is very impressive. They've mm. won a lot of championships with Vikingas, so there's there's a you know oh, championship yeah. mindset there. And so for her to come to the WNFC, mm-hmm. uh, wow, WNFC is going to be wowed also. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Who is she going to play for? I forget now. Um, it wasn't de- definitive, but I, I thought it was going to be uh, one of the Texas teams. My understanding was mm. it was either going to be one of the Texas teams. Yeah. Uh, if you put her on the elite, it's, it's, uh, I, I, it's great, <laughs> but, you know, the elite's already so elite. <laughs> uh, I would say yeah. maybe the Houston Heat would be the, the team that would need the help in general. Um, but we don't mm-hmm. know yet at this point, given everything that's happened. Um Russ, what have you kept up with in terms of the sport? Have you kept up with it so far at this point? We all, we were all expecting this 2020 to blow up, right? WFA, WNFC was just going to mm. blow up. 11 sports. Uh, we were going to be on, you know, U2 uh, America, all these things. And then here we go. With- it's unfortunate timing. I mean, this last season you you talked about the uh, documentary Born to Play on your show, and that was – a fantastic documentary and but the timing was awful i mean you want to if you could show that documentary and then have people say what there's women's football let's go look for a game uh but now there's no games yeah it's it's one of the bummer aspects of it that um it happened but at the same time there's a positive we had more audience more you know more people that actually tuned into it, right, to look at it and to mm-hmm. put some sort of ingrained thing in their head. Uh, hopefully, 
you know, uh, Very Lieberman said that they were going to get it into uh, different platforms. Um, so hopefully come yeah. January or February, we could get to see it reintroduced at some point before the uh, 2021 season hits in that next spring. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to, to assign that for my students. So if it was on something they could stream, uh, that'd be great. I tried to get a, so some of my friends and uh, some of my students to watch that, but, you know, that was on at, well, some of the students didn't bother to, to cash in the extra credit and watch it, but it'd be good to have it uh, somewhere where it was available to have them watch it as often as possible in all the classes I teach. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a repeat on YouTube or the WFA channel. Um, I would have to look into it. But I know it was on ESPN Plus, and I think it's still there. I think you have to just look for it. Um, Very Lieberman said that they were going to try to get it on other platforms by the end of the year. So uh, anticipation would be that maybe it gets reintroduced maybe uh, January of next year in terms of February right after the, like maybe the Super Bowl. It would be the right timing for it. And considering the XFL is kind of revived with um, Dwayne Johnson, um, I, I, was, I was hoping that they would, that didn't happen because then at that point it would be spring ball and hopefully everybody would turn their attention to, you know, the women's leagues. But here we are with the XFL. Yeah. Do you have any idea what the ratings, what sort of numbers they put up for the Born to Play documentary? I don't offhand know the numbers. Uh, I know they were very good because you would not get a uh, you know rebroadcast of anything if the if the viewership was not there. So I'm assuming they got great great feedback because you just don't get mm-hmm. a repeat you know to put it back on there unless you have some sort of uh, good uh, viewership feedback. Yeah. Well, it's sort of bad timing for women's football in that there were no games to go to, but. I guess it was good timing for me. I incorporated that into my the last part of my book, an afterword or a, a postscript or script or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of a high moment for women's football on on a you know national TV network. It's pretty Table historic. Night, um, a lot of us that have been following the sport, you know, we've always gotten that Super Bowl tidbit commercial or something like that, but. Uh, this really kind of emphasizes the, um, you know, the struggles of the sport and the fact that they showcased probably one of the best teams on the planet, I think, was that, was, that did it justice. The fact that they spotlighted uh, probably the best uh, team on the planet and probably the best, uh, you know, WFA, because they they've had so much success over time, and their rivalry with the Divas is very historic. I think that just, you know, speaks volumes for the fact that Very put it out there and really expressed it to a, a vast audience. So you don't, uh, you know, here we can start an argument here. You don't think the Toledo Troopers could have taken them? <laughs> um, you know what? Honestly, uh, I would have to, I would have to probably give them the edge in terms of, you know, being the best of all time. But if we put it in a perspective of just the modern era, um, in terms of what the leagues have, what we've seen in leagues, you know, the IWFL, uh, the previous leagues, I mean, you'd have to go back to Detroit, right? 
Detroit, uh, I think, demolition. You can argue that Detroit yeah. demolition was probably one of the dominant teams in history, right? Uh, but if you take the WFA yeah. in scope, if we just take the WFA in scope, uh, you would have to say Boston's probably right there. Uh, you would have to, you know, throw in maybe the Dallas Elite, right, in, in some aspects of it. Uh, Cal War Angels, mm. uh, DC Divas, Pittsburgh Passion, uh, things like that. So, you, you know, you could probably put top five, but they would probably be number one. The fact that they've, I mean, to me it's impressive that they uh, started back in the day and then they transformed to a different uh, ownership and then they go back and kind of pick the whole thing up and then they stay competitive. All these all these years, yeah. So it says it says a lot about their That's management, true. says a lot about their players, their durability, about their Hall of Famers. Um, so I, to me, it would be if you talk about WFA in scope, just the WFA in general. I think they are the top dogs in terms of when you talk about WFA. Yeah, yeah, and even back in uh, the early two thousands when women's football was starting up again, they were one of the, probably the only team that ever had any sort of a relationship with the, the NFL team, the Patriots there, uh, which was Correct. interesting. Yep. So, um, and you have a lot of stars on their team. Oh, you know, uh, oh. Players that played on the hall of fame, players that, that played at the world stage. Um, there's just, just mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of history in that, in that franchise. In other words, you know, when you go back and study it, they have a lot of, you know, a lot of, Good players, yeah. excellent players, and a Hall of Famers. On top of that, uh, a lot of the players that have played on, you know, the m- multiple World Championships. Yeah, and when I started watching the the documentary, I was hoping it was on the 2019 season. I talked to, uh, interviewed Ruth Matta, you know, from the Birmingham Lions, who played for them mm-hmm. that year, and I think she was the MVP of the final game. And, you know, that's one of the, the interesting things I found when doing the research on this, this project is how many women are, are moving from country to country to play football. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like I, like I said, if you, go, if you get out of the North American swing, you go to Finland or Sweden, and on, on occasion you might end up probably in Germany because Germany is like the third largest – you know, in terms of football for women, women's tackle football Yeah. in terms of scope of leagues. But if you stay in the state, everybody wants to come to the WFA uh, for, for, you know, and, they, and they've proven uh, the WFA. I mean, I've personally criticized them when I first started, you know, the great recreational model, uh, not getting enough sponsors. I mean, all that stuff, because, you know, the fact that I was criticizing it because I wanted them to excel and wanted them to get visible and, and want them to get attention because it's a shame that, you have all these talented players in this league and no recognition from, you know, mass media or anything like that. So it's kind of nice now that you get to see WFA alumni in the sidelines of the NFL, which is, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, uh, Louise, your, your former uh, uh, panelist there uh, told me about how many international players they had on the um, the Falcons. So I guess the IWFL had their share as well. Yeah. The IWFL really was, um, uh, one of the, one of the places that people came to play because it was prominent at the beginning of, at the beginning of the two thousands, 
It was a really prominent league mm-hmm. uh, for about five years, and then it kind of just, you know, just went away in a way, and then the WFA took the baton, build and build and build, and, you know, you got to give credit to Lisa King and uh, Wynn Dominey. They've, they've done a great job so far in the last, I want to say, last six years of really elevating the branding, and it doesn't hurt that you have Katie Sowers, Callie Branson, Jennifer King, you know, and Coach Lowe no. in the NFL. It doesn't hurt you at all. And now I just read the other day that they formed a relationship with Florida State University in coaching, I believe. Yeah, they're doing uh, they're doing some initiatives uh, to try to get tools for coaches. Um, my understanding is they're trying to formalize a coaching program um, so that it goes, you know, um, league-wide. So it's a formality. I think it's a good thing because you can't be respected if you don't have credentials. So you must have some credentials for a league to be considered legit and some sponsors to really consider you as a legit league. Yeah. Well, true enough. You know, that'll, well, Florida State, you know, not so great anymore, but, um, you know, that's probably a good place to, to maybe Bobby Bowden will come in if he, he recovers here, hopefully he will, and, uh, and uh, lend his support to that. That'd be a good project for him. Yeah, and I think some of the NFL players, some of the alumni, a lot of the players are really opening up to the fact that uh, we do have this, you know, we do have women's tackle football and exist. It's not a, they don't get paid. But I think a lot of them are opening up to the fact that most of them have daughters. So it's an opportunity for them to kind of like support it in a way where, uh, you know, we get high school nationwide at a starting point maybe. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then you got the NAIA college flag which is uh, an awesome thing to do. So if we get that uh, with the, with the high schools in general, just nationwide, like Florida has it and certain places, certain States have it like Texas and stuff like that. So if we can get a couple more, you know, major States to have it, you're going to get a, a a nice pool where the, uh, you know, college NIA can pull from. And then there's, there's some athletes right there that can convert to tackle, you know, to the WFA, WNFC in the future. So there's a promising positive going forward because uh like i said it's the birth of the sport and we still have all these intangibles it's not like we have an ncaa you know type of uh feeder system in other words yeah it's pretty incredible the 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 strides that women's football has made in the past five years you know maybe it's just because i've been paying attention to it but it seems to be everywhere now Uh, and that's incredible given the lack of media attention that they do have you know, irrespective of, of born to play, but there just isn't that much out there on women's football. Uh, and the game is growing. And it's starting to get some notice almost despite the inattention of most media sources. I think, Russ, uh, I talked to a couple people uh, a couple podcasts ago in Texas. The uh, Icon Women's Football Association will be a game changer. It's an eight-on-eight type of format. It is played mm-hmm. basically in flag normally. It will be an indoor type of uh, women's tackle football, arena football, besides Legends Football League, uh, which is now X-League. Um, so besides the mm-hmm. intangibles, that full kit, it's going to be no different than, you know, arena football for men was. So if they can, if, you know, if they can do a good job of marketing and pulling it off, uh, you're going to be able to see a game changer, I think, on the eight-on-eight version. Uh, you already see the transition on 11s, 
But if the 8-on-8 eight eight can kind of bring attention, then that will also draw attention to the 11s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Icon League's been around for quite some time, hasn't it? Um, they're just moving indoors now? Yeah, I mean, they play outdoors. Um, they play in soccer fields in, inside as well. Um, so they play in both type of styles. But I, I think the fast-paced style that they play, the intensity that they play, really affords the opportunity for them to stand out more so than the 11s, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll so be interesting Russ, to see. I mean, what's your best, and there's what was your best there's... interview? What has been your best interview out of all your interviews that you've done? If you well, had to you, put top uh, five I'll or sure. something. <laughs> uh, let me see. I mean, your first one's probably going to be your best because that's the first one you got probably, right? Yeah, that was Leah uh, Hinkle of the um, Portland Fighting Shockwave. I just did a re-interview of her uh, just here last week, sort of closing the circle, I guess. Uh, probably, mm-hmm. oh, let's see. Maybe one of the best was Ninji Martin. Uh, she had the most to say. She had a lot to say, and she was a good interview. I gotta, you know, uh, throw a nod to Louise Bean. She was a good interview, and not only that, she started lining up other people for me to interview. Um, you know, several of the Falcons and several other people that she had met at various All Star games. So that really kickstarted my uh, my interviewing. What did you get out of these interviews, uh, Russ? When you're done, when you first started. Was it shocking to realize that certain intangibles of the sport, the sacrifices, uh, you know, the money spent, all that stuff? Was it was it something that stood out when you got done, like doing a couple interviews? Stood out is there's a bunch of violent people out there. It's good they have the outlet of football. <laughs> <laughs> That's been fun to talk to women. You know, I remember. Uh, going to the women's world games in 2018 and talking to Nausicaa Del Orto from Italy, well, from Philadelphia now. But I watched her doing a drill. She was demolishing the, the dummy. The other, you know, defensive lineman just went up and tapped it, but she was knocking it down. And I mentioned that to her, and she said, oh, I've got some anger issues. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> She's a pioneer, Russ. She's uh, probably yeah. the pioneer. I mean, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these women that uh, a lot of people don't understand or who they are. You know, uh, for some of us in the in the women's football tackle community, we have our own superstars. You know, I mean, you got you know the NBA style, the WNBA or the NFL, but uh, for us, you know, that exclusively, we have our own you know superstars, historians, pioneers. Uh, we we know mm-hmm. what they bring to the table, basically. So a lot of them are very – they've sacrificed a lot, and they've also, you know, been able to put a lot in terms of bringing attention to their league or teams or, or in their country, So which is awesome. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's been a blast getting to talk to these women who are, you know, taking a different path. Uh, 
and enjoying it so much. They're they're great um, uh, um, missionaries for football. Talking to Anna Banhaj, Texas, uh, from Hungary, Nausicaa. Um, well, let's see. Now I'm forgetting names again. Bad thing for a historian. Several of the women from Finland, from Mexico. You know, it's it's just fun to to see how many people around the world really like football. And in places, you know, in the United States, we can say, well, you know, it's known as a man's game. But you know, in in Europe, not only is it known as a man's game, but it's also known as a damned Americans in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting so it's dynamic when you get to when you start to interview a lot of players and their stories. They all come in kind of full circle in a lot of ways with the sacrifice when nobody wanted them to play. They they struggled to get fields. They you know equipment just to just to get equipment. Equipped you know equipped and finding coaches. I mean, so there's a lot of intangibles and depending on who you um, interview, there was interesting you know stories in regards to um, you know what they had to do. Like in Spain, I mean, in Spain, the, the original pioneers in Spain really had to struggle just to be accepted and to put themselves on the same level as as the, as the men. But it took a while to do that. So, yeah, that's one of my regrets. I I kept trying to find a, a player from Spain to to talk with me, and we never never managed to find anybody, unfortunately. So your book or final edition of the book is going to be what uh, six months from now, or are we still on like on a twelve month before we, you know, put it out there? Well, generally speaking, from the time you sign the contract to the time it's out, the the book I wrote on the history of American football in France um, took about a year and a half. Okay. Got to do the proofing and you know all that sort of thing, get an index and a bibliography together. And there's a lot of nuts and bolts that go into it. I'm hoping to, you know, hoping to find a publisher. I've sent it out to one university press, but I haven't heard back from them yet. Although the, the academic um, sort of head of the press said he, he gave it a thumbs up. Uh, but then I don't know what the professional in charge of the press thought. I haven't heard from them yet. So we're uh, waiting to see how it'll mature, and then obviously, hopefully, it'll be on Amazon, and we can get it on a simple platform where people can get rid, uh, you know, download it or get it. Hopefully, that's the case. Um, Russ, have you watched any football this year at all? Have you watched the first uh, four weeks of the NFL or college or anything? Oh, I watched the um, uh, NFL. You watch Monday I'm, night? The I'm, Monday nights. I'm. Um, Looking forward to the 24th when hopefully my Huskers will come into Ohio where I work and and, and beat those uh, Buckeyes. Could be the year, Russ. <laughs> COVID-19 could be your, your friend. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched the uh, Patriot game. Rex Burkhead's an old Husker, so I, I like to see him play. What did you What did you think of this uh, this uh, this game? I mean, no Cam Newton, uh, kind of one sided in a lot of ways. I know Hoyer's okay, but I don't think anybody expected the Patriots to win, come out of here a winner. 
against Mahomes and Hill and Watkins and Kelsey. Yeah. No, uh, the Patriots gave him a heck of a game, save two bad decisions by Hoyer. They would have been mm-hmm. right in there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's um, like nobody expected that maybe they'd make a game out of it, but, I mean, when you have Mahomes on there, everybody kind of just, okay, what's well, going to be Mahomes? But it was it, two quarters was pretty pretty decent, and then they kind of move on with it. Um, uh, Green Bay, the Green Bay game was uh, literally – kind of example of Aaron Rodgers back to form in a lot of ways. And he's got Jones working Adams, um, that tight end, Tanjian, um, got me a lot of points on mm-hmm. fantasy football, by the way. So that was really good. Um, <laughs> but the Atlanta Falcons collapse. I don't know what to say about this. It, I, I'm assuming uh, Dan Quinn will be the next guy axed from, uh, mm-hmm. they, they've never really recovered from 31 to three blowing that lead. It doesn't seem. No. No. Yeah. That was it. I, I don't know what's happening sort of there. Did you, what What do you think is happening there, Russ? It's like they, they, play, they play ahead, they get ahead, and then they just collapse. Their defense just seems to just break down. Or the fact that the other team is just steps up for the, the important quarters and they make, and they make a better decision. Um, but Green Bay played a good game. And Atlanta sort of – I mean, I had Calvin Ridley – and Gage on my fantasy slate card, and these guys let me down. You, you would have, you, if, I don't have a foul mouth, but there was a, some foul language happening in my house. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you probably looked closely enough. There must have been some instance where some guy, some fan of the Falcons and his goat got kicked out of the park or something. <laughs> yeah. There seems to be oh, a curse uh, th- hanging over them. There's got to be something going on there, right? I mean, this is just, like, weird. In a way, they're, like, just collapsing themselves. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, them and the Cowboys, right? <laughs> You're a Cowboys fan. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a Cowboys you know, fan, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> them yeah, and the Cowboys fan. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was a decent game, you know. I I was starting to get interested in the um, the Browns a little bit. I've always kind of hated them, but you know Mayfield's not too bad. But then they hired uh, Bill Callahan as the offensive line coach, and he's the man that tried to destroy the Huskers, so or did a pretty darn good job of it. So they're sort of dead to me now. Wow, there you go. But they're three and one, so Ohioans should be happy. They're three and one first, first uh, since I think they're three and one since uh, what ninety four. From my, my let me get my notes yeah, ninety four. Yeah. So predates yeah. to the original <laughs> move to Baltimore. Pretty horrid, right? That's pretty bad. Well, yeah, there's more games than they won. The, well, not last year, but two years previous. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, it's just. And what do you think of all this New York disaster on both sides? It's pretty bad. <laughs> Giants and Jets. If you're a New York fan, you're just like, what? COVID, COVID, screw COVID. <laughs> They're cursing COVID, basically. We'll blame COVID on it. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I hate, I'm, since I'm a Cowboy fan, I hate the Giants, and I'm indifferent about the Jets. Gang Green so is literally what they really pay much They attention. haven't had a good season for, forever. And given Buffalo – 
and Josh Allen is standing out almost as good as the, you know, Tom Brady of a lot of the Patriots. Buffalo is really impressive right now. Yeah, they are. Um, Let's see. One of the, the guys a little bit like you for football in France, for American football in France, uh, he had a blog that he kept a lot of records on Olivier, uh, Olivier Rival. Uh, used to live in Buffalo, and so he's a big fan there, so I kind of have a soft spot for them. And they, they um, let's see, Phoebe Schechter worked there, I believe, mm-hmm. coached there. And uh, who else? Uh, the first full-time woman, woman coach, Smith, was a Buffalo, wasn't she? She, Catherine Smith, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, Buffalo's okay. Although they did try to, I think the worst Thursday night game I ever saw was them maybe versus the Jets, and they were wearing those stupid color fast uniforms, green and red. Oh, God, that was awful. <laughs> didn't, didn't care for that, did you? <laughs> no, I did not. They shouldn't mess with the uniforms. I don't like yeah, color well. uniforms or color fast. I, I kind of like our must. I kind of like my, my Rams mustard navy blue type I, i'm okay with it I, I had something i had to get into it once in a while but it, it, it's okay it's kind of dive into me now this uh royal blue and bright yellow it's our origin so i really enjoy it but i just don't like the design you know just i don't know different mm. i guess i haven't let's see i might have watched the rams first game uh but i guess i haven't noticed their uniforms yet um Russ, what do you think of this week? Uh, Tom Brady goes against Chicago, Nick Foles. They get rid of the uh, Trubisky, and then they put in Foles. Didn't, much, didn't, didn't do much change. Um, Tom Brady kind of <laughs> has to prove himself here. He's in Tampa. He's got to make the playoffs. So I'm assuming this week, I guess, over the Bears, or what's your thoughts there? Well, I don't know. I'm a I'm a pretty decent historian. I, I suck at predicting the future. I'm probably one of the worst uh, football bettors in the history of betting. So I've really? generally avoided it. I hope, I hope Brady wins. Yeah, I, I once got Nebraska in the national championship game by betting, again, betting on them. Or maybe I bet on one of their opponents, and they lost. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. That's not I, good. I, I couldn't win a bet to save my life. Wow. So I hope Brady does well. I, I've enjoyed watching him. I think Seattle is the team right now, and I, I unless something really goes bad on uh, Sunday night, I think Minnesota is going to really struggle because I, I think Russell Wilson, they're, they're dialed in. They're pretty good right now, and there's just uh, – yeah. unless something weird happens. I gotta, you know, have some good thoughts for Russell Wilson. He was here in Ada um, two years ago, I think. One of our ONU Ohio Northern University students got a gig playing his stunt double or something like that when he came to visit the football factory here. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's. It's cool to have the the factory here. I, in normal years, I always take my students on a tour of the place, and you know it's it's an interesting place. 
fun to see. Wow. It's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and, no, go ahead. No, I had nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, we got Monday night, so uh, Breeze against this uh, young kid, Justin Herbert from Oregon, which is a six pick. So okay. I, he's done pretty well so far. He's gone toe-to-toe with Brady, um, you know, so we'll see we'll see what he can do here. And then, then uh, he'll probably have to go up against Mahomes. And so kind of interesting to see if, uh, you know, this was Phillip Rivers' team for so long. Now this young kid here maybe turns him head. Yeah, it confuses me. Every time I see his name, I think Bobby A. Bears back. I, I miss the R. <laughs> Yeah. Well, San Diego, I mean, do they really deserve to win? I mean, it's San Diego. It's 70 degrees year-round. Do they deserve more? Well, they got a new stadium. They're partnering with the Rams. They're not San Diego, and they're L.A. now. Oh, that's right. Forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, they're second class. Uh, As a Ram fan, I can tell you they're non-factor. Okay, just like I'm a Kings fan and the Ducks are nothing, and the Angels, I'm a Dodger fan. You know what I mean? I'm a Laker fan. The Clippers are nothing. So if you're in L.A., you don't even know that the Chargers exist, technically. Yeah, well, apparently I didn't either. That's another <laughs> one of my things. That, you know, teams shouldn't be allowed to move because I have to learn, you know, the, the Rams should still be in Cleveland. Really? Uh, the first and the Raiders in Vegas. To your, to your surprise, the, the Raiders are now in Vegas. They're Nevada-owned. <laughs> well, you know, the, if only uh, Al Davis were still alive, he would uh, he would be perfect. Al Davis in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I don't know why they didn't rolling, go there in the first the place. Dice when they went to L.A., you could, they yeah. could have gone to Vegas a long time ago. They would have been there forever now. Yeah, rolling the dice and saying, just win, baby, just win. <laughs> yeah, I'm so unfortunately, Card doesn't win. <laughs> they don't get a very decent guy. Chucky, I don't know. Second go-around does, doesn't look as impressive as, as the first go-around. So we'll see how he does there. Well, he's, he's racking up more um, uh, fines from the NFL, at least. That's <laughs> true. Oh, my God. Um Russ, uh, let, let's go into the women's recap since I got you on now. So you can kind of just – we'll dive into it because we're going to be getting out of here anyway. So let's let's go into what we talk about anyways, which is women's women's tackle football. So um, this weekend in Germany, we had Lady Canes 52-6 uh, to six over the Trier Stampers. You have the Mannheim Banditas uh, taking on the Mainz Eagles. Uh, Eagles wipe out them 28-0. to zero. That's – Literally week two in Germany. We got two more weeks in Germany, and then we have the playoffs. It was a uh, a season that was compressed because of COVID. There was no Division One, so this is Division Two, and they they kind of made arrangements because of the, I guess the provinces. Each provinces had certain guidelines that would allow certain things. So this area did allow for some competition. So here we are, Germany week two, and we got about two more weeks left, and then we're going to get into a you know. A semi-final type mentality with the finals going on. Uh, Czech Republic, week five, 
uh, champion Berno, four-time champion Berno Amazon, 62-0 to zero over Ginseng Windstorms. Coming up week six, we got Prague Black Cats taking on Prague Harpies. Uh, two and one Black Cats taking on three and oh Harpies. This should be a good matchup. And then we got a battle of winless teams. The Warsaw Sirens, last year's finalists, their own four this year, taking on the new uh, new team of Jensen Windstorm. So in in um, Czech Republic, uh, Russ, I don't know if you're aware of it, but they've been playing ball for a long, long time, and it's a pretty interesting league considering they have one one team from Poland. Yeah, yeah. How are the Hamburg Devlins doing in Germany? They have not. They did not play, so that's why I'm uh, saying the the season was only Division Two. Yeah, yeah. I, so Division that was the first, only uh, The players from Hamburg were the first ones I talked to uh, oh, okay. from Germany. So Bummer. yeah, a, I think yeah, I think Germany has over. I think Germany has over sixty teams in the three divisions when they're playing normally. Yeah. So it's pretty intense out there in terms of, you know, women's tackle football. They do have it. That's why I said normally it's uh, Finland, Sweden, and then you got to go to Germany to kind of like, you know, the three major countries with, you know, really big uh, a quantity of teams in that regard. Um, but praying yeah, up to shame in, they're not in the playing internationally. Yeah. Uh, they normally, uh, I mean, they're pretty competitive. I mean, if you had to put them on a scale of leagues, uh, the Division One in Germany is pretty competitive. I mean, equal to probably the WFA and the WNFC in sure. a lot of ways. Sure, but uh, this whole uh, IFAF thing kept them out of the 2017 championships and apparently the the Euro championships as well, as far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, they were they were they were bummed for sure. When I talked to the a couple of the, the players on the um, the Cobras, the Berlin Cobras. Um, they were pretty bummed about right. it because most most of the most of the national team used to come. Uh, most of the national, you know, players from on the national team that were uh, in previous Germany were coming from the Division One scope, so, which is a pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Let's finish up here. First time in in uh, Australia that we have an 11th uh, season. We used to have seven on seven and nine on nine seasons. And now, first time, uh, we're going to have an 11 season t- uh, started this week. So, Aces 11, which one of the teams, there were two teams that, that were created, and they're going to have a, I believe, a six-week season, seven-week season, and they're just going to battle each other out in different um, different venues throughout Queensland. And so, 36-6, uh, Aces 11 against Hendeka. Uh, and a shout-out to Amanda Ewers, uh, Cassie Cubis, and Christy Moran, the MVP out there. Uh, those are our no joke football athletes as well on our branding, and so it was really exciting. And this is a, this is a huge moment for them, uh, Russ, because uh, it's a step level uh, for them to get ready for the 2022. Because they also want to be just like Mexico; they want to be competitive on the world stage. Yeah, yeah, they I, they made me feel like a journalist. The, the Australian national team in uh, in Canada. I was writing articles for um, American Football International, and I went to watch the Australian practice, and Coach Welder had an assistant come over and throw me out. So I really, that made me feel like a real journalist. Are you serious? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got thrown out, Russ? <laughs> yeah, he said, You're spying. Were you spying? <laughs> they thought of you as a spy, spy gate. You're trying yeah. to, like, for the U.S. team? <laughs> yep. Apparently, as if, if they really needed too much. Funny. <laughs> That's a funny story. You know that, right? Uh, she's probably listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> she's probably thinking, well, one of the, who did I kick? One of the best stories I have. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. Have you met her? Have you talked to her? I've never talked to her, no. Um, I went to the after-game press conference. And said, well, I probably asked her a question or two. And then I went to the Hall of Fame when she was uh, talking about her her um, memoir, Play Big. So I never okay. hung around and, and talked to her, though. Wow. But uh, she's she's really cool, um, down to earth. Uh, I'm, and I'm assuming when she doesn't have her coaching hat on. <laughs> yeah, you can tell she'd been in the NFL. Oh, there's somebody oh, unusual yeah. there. Get him out. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a passionate, passionate lady for sure. Um, in Sweden, the Super Series, the fi- the uh, semifinals are going to be October 17th. Orbro Black Knights taking our Atlanta Jets, and then uh, from that matchup, we will see who will take on the Carlsbad. Crusaders and the Brit squad, uh, Sydney Green and Gabby Knobs. So uh, this Carlsbad Crusader team's going for, I think, their third championship. Um, so it'll be a third championship. And so we'll see if Orbro or Atlanta uh, can muster up a competitive matchup on the final, which I doubt at this point because uh, Carlsbad has been just steamrolling the, all the competition uh, for the whole season. So. Interesting to see right. if they'll even Sweden, get a competitive. Sweden, um, they seem to have improved quite a bit. Um, oh, what did I? I watched them play in maybe the 2013 uh, FF Championships, and then I watched the Euros this last time, and they they've improved quite a bit. Uh, they yeah, they're really well. good. Yeah, they're really good. Um, they're they got a good programs there too. Like I said, uh, Finland and Finland and Sweden are usually top dogs, uh, but you got to give credit to the the Great Britain team. They've really stepped up. Um, you know, Jim Messenger has done a really good job and bringing that program up. Yeah, so very competitive there I too. Heard and that then the uh, Messenger had retired, huh? Yeah, he's stepping down. So, but uh, overall, I mean, they've done a good job in terms of getting the game up to another level. And then. Uh, there's a couple teams, you know, London Warriors, uh, Birmingham uh, Lions. There's, there's a couple squads in the uh, Great uh, Great Britain uh, scene that really have stood out. And so some of the some of those uh, squads that are up, you know, top five squads. That's where they're pulling most of their athletes for the national team. So very competitive. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to um, hopefully France will fill the team and Italy. I'm looking forward to Italy and France to kind of that Euro that Euro competition, maybe a 16 competition. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, France doesn't really get much um, support from the Federation Francaise de Football Americaine. That's, that was actually the first uh, women's football game I saw. The um, uh, Molas Dasnier Sersain against the uh, from the south of France. 
their championship of the Challenge Feminine. Uh, so that, I think, propelled me into maybe writing this book. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, they have struggles there in France. Like you said, they're not as supportive. Uh, but I, I think the Molossus uh, and uh, Dragons de Paris, probably the two top teams that you could maybe recognize, you know, on a national scale mm. uh, in terms of yeah, that. And that's where a lot of the players a, come from. Yeah, the Molossus even made it into film. They, they were in a movie that some French uh, director made at the start. They're really, they're really, uh, they're almost like, uh, I want to say what, uh, probably the top team in France at this point in terms of competition. Or, yeah, they've won. Uh, the, yeah, they've won the Challenge Feminine since it started. Yeah. They're really, really and, awesome. Well, um, of course, some, now some of their um, players, Elisa DeSantis uh, is going mm-hmm. to be apparently playing in this new league. Yeah, there's uh, four French players, I believe, I believe, coming over to the WFLA in 2021. Yeah, Elisa and um, Chrissy was one of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christelle Harnais. Harnais. Uh, and who are the other ones? Um, I had my list. I don't have it in front of me, but I know there's four of them. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the hub, there's a feature on it. Uh, I, at the hub at facebook.com for slash current views, you got the feature there of the four players that are obviously mm-hmm. going to be participating in the WFLA in 2021. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Division 1, Division 1 North, Norcopi, uh, Stockholm takes down Norcopi, so that sets up the final for Division 1, Division 2 in Sweden as John Kopi. Uh, John Coping took care of Kristen Tad 14-0 in uh, this weekend. And so it's going to be John Coping versus Stockholm on the 11th to decide the final there for the Division Two, Division I, uh North and South. And so that will be interesting. We'll cover that wall-to-wall, and we'll have, uh, you know, still photos as well as coverage there as well. In the Netherlands, Queens, the Queens Football League, Amsterdam Cats 26-0 over Rottingham uh, Ravens, and their season is in week one. So we'll be diving in next week and the weeks after in the Netherlands, uh, Gridiron Queensland, finishing up in Czech Republic and in Germany, uh, and then we'll swing back off to, um, I think it's Austria. Austria also this uh, week one, Dacia 46-0. Uh, Schwartz uh, loses 28-7 over Dan, uh, Danube. So a lot of women's action happening overseas, and the place to be is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. The best network on the planet is there. So check it out. If you don't know anything about women's American football, you go right there to the hub. You get enlightened. You get told what is happening, and you get links to all the teams, obviously, that are playing in season right now. Um, uh, Russ, so uh, it's been an entertaining interview. I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, chatting about your new book, and then also talking about the game in general of women's tackle football and how hopefully, you know, 2021 is going to be the year where we break out with 11 sports and also U2 America. Hopefully the 2020 that we were supposed to have turns into this bigger 2021. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, how are the Budapest Wolves doing? 
Uh, Budapest, I haven't seen on there yet, so I don't know if they're on the schedule. Uh, I would have to check the Aust- the Austrian schedule, right? Is it, they're part of the Austrian league, yeah. or right? Yeah, they but were. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to check the uh, schedule on there. I don't have week two right now, so uh, I don't mm-hmm. believe they're playing because I, I my notes only tell me four teams: Dacia Vikings, Salzburg Ducks, Schwarzhammers, and the Danube Dragons. So I don't believe there's a Budapest mm-hmm. team this season. Uh, but I'll look into it because I, yeah. they usually play yeah. in the Austrian league, and I don't I don't yeah. see them on the schedule. Last time I, yeah. well, it's been a pleasure, Oscar. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, no problem, Russ. I really appreciate you uh, making the time for me. I know it's a short notice, but I, went, I really wanted to get our audience to, um, you know, figure out where you're at with the book and kind of support you on on the journey. And are you coming up with any other interviews that we can link up to or? Uh, besides the Leah Hinkle interview that you did? Uh, no, I can't think of any. I mean, at this point, I probably should stop doing interviews. I've done 220 or so of them, and mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. It's hard enough to shoehorn all of them and find a place to put them into the book. And at some point, I've got to stop trying to add new things to the book and just get it published and Hopefully. Yeah, I know it's it, you know so cutting down and making it making it uh, somewhat intriguing, and you got to go chapter to ch- you know I mean it's it, it's a lot of work. People don't realize it when you finalize the book. You're like, oh, this is a great book, but you know they don't understand all the laboring. <laughs> it's a lot of laboring. Yeah, and you know don't don't hold out too high hopes for it. It's a history book, so intriguing is not often in there. No, it's not. But it, it for. <laughs> For people that are fanatics, you know what I mean. For us that are like that love the sport and want to, you know, dive into interesting things about the sport, uh, you know, we're one of the few people that obviously would treasure that, right? Yeah. Well, one of my advisors in graduate school watched me teach once and said, "Always remember to keep the story in history." And and hopefully, I've tried to include as many of the the interesting and amusing and you know uh, illuminating stories as I could in this because there's a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a new chapter coming up. Like I said, uh, 2021 is going to be a totally new chapter. Um, it could be a game changer for everybody in terms of the leagues because they're going to be on actual television platforms and visibilities and yeah. breakout year, I think, for 2021 it's for the women's – state of the game in north america primarily yeah well let's hope let's hope it it goes better than 2020 of course um russ thanks again for coming in uh make uh you know hopefully stay covid free uh do your thing social distancing mask all that good stuff um i appreciate you coming in and uh diving into talking women's tackle football and some nfl and uh look forward to another chat so if you ever need uh any support from us just a message just, uh, and we can bring you on and, and get anything noticed out there or news out there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Oscar. And you too. Stay safe. Thanks. Have a great night. Okay. All right. All right, guys, uh, Russ Crawford. Uh, he's obviously a Ohio Northern university historian and obviously women's football fanatic working on a project uh, for a book to kind of bring attention to women's tackle football in the States, uh, North America swing primarily, and then 
uh, interview over 200 interviews that he's done and trying to compress that into a book as well. So it's going to be interesting to see when it actually gets published, which he's working on right now, to see how it comes out and, and you know, want to read it and do that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes about and everything else. So we got a lot of things happening in week five of the NFL, Tampa, Tampa Bay taking on uh, Chicago. We got Minnesota Sunday night taking on the Seattle Seahawks and the L.A. Chargers taking on the New Orleans Saints as well. So really interesting. We're talking college football next week uh, as we get week five and week six combined. Um, and then I'll break it down. And you can also go to the hub there and we'll break it down for you on, on a national scale as well at the hub. So thanks for uh, coming in today. And thanks for Russ Crawford for show, uh, showing us some love and also talking women's tackle football Euro scene as well. Uh, so for the absent, uh, Holly Custis, Nate Ward, Louise Bain, and Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez here will catch you for 342 next Tuesday. Stay safe, everybody.